This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Danny Wexelman with Adam McAlvey, who covers the Brewers for MLB.com. Adam, we're at Dodger Stadium for games three through five. How are you feeling? Feeling very good. We are like 10 feet away from Mr. Don Newcomb, the most well-dressed former ball player in Major League history, a true gentleman of the game. And um, I love games here. I've done, been lucky enough to do some NLCSs, and that means uh, Dodger Stadium because they've been in it so much the last five years. And uh, it's a fantastic place for a big baseball game. His fedora is fabulous. I will completely agree with you on that. And the weather is gorgeous out here as well. I heard it was a little cold in Milwaukee. Uh, yes. Yeah, it was. It was 80 degrees. Uh, they had a they had workouts leading up to the NLCS, and it was 80 degrees. And then a front came through, and by the time the Dodgers and Brewers played game one, it was like 40 degrees. So the roof was very helpful. And then uh, flying out here, had a layover in Denver, and we had to get de-iced. There was a straight-up snowstorm. So had the Rockies come back against the Brewers and three through five had been there in Denver, it would have been very, very interesting. We would not be sitting in row four of the ballpark, 10 feet from Mr. Don Newcomb, had this game been at Coors Field. All right, we're going to talk about a couple of different things right now, uh, obviously surrounding the Brewers. But the first thing we're going to talk about are free hamburgers. Now, I did a little research on this, and it's been... 31 years since the last time Milwaukee got free hamburgers. Tell me about the free burgers. You're dating me. Yes. Uh, 1987, there's a diner in, in Milwaukee, a chain of diners called George Webb. Everyone calls it George Webb's because in Wisconsin, one of the things with our, besides our great accents, we add apostrophe S on the end of everything. I don't know if you know this. I've, I've heard about this and I've seen it. Is Aldi a chain across the country? Aldi, like the grocery store? Aldi's. Aldi's. You know, we in Wisconsin, we had est, Costco's. We're going to Costco's. So George Webb's, I don't, maybe it's actually called George Webb's. I actually don't know. They made a promise apparently way, way back that if the local ball club won 12 games in a row, they would give everybody a free burger. And the 1987 Brewers began the season 13-0, but number 12 was Easter Sunday. You say Easter Sunday in Milwaukee and everybody knows what you're talking about. Uh, they came back from down three in the ninth against the Rangers. Uh, Rob Deere and Dale Swaim hit home runs. They won that game. And everybody, including nine-year-old Adam McAlvey, piled in the uh, 1979 Chevy Van 20 with Matt Miller and Steve Dadian. And Rita McAlvey drove us to George Webb to get free hamburgers. So it's one of those memories that, you know, growing up there, it's like one of these incredible Memories, the whole the Easter Sun, the whole thing was part of this collection of memories that stands out so clearly. And I've been saying, like the last couple of weeks, because this Brewers win streak that they were just on, that was snapped in Game Two by the Dodgers. But because this win streak coincided with, you know, clinching the playoffs, clinching the division in a Game One Sixty Three, the National League Division Series against the Rockies, 
I feel like the win streak itself got a little overshadowed, and I feel like it's going to take some time to look back on it and be like, man, they won 12 games in a row. In the middle of the season, it almost would have been a bigger deal because there was so much else to digest amidst this particular streak that I, I think I, I that's just my personal feeling. Maybe people disagree, but I think that's one of the things we're going to look back on this season is very memorable. Um, and, you know, a couple of days from now, everybody in Milwaukee is going to get a free burger. So we're recording this on Monday and Thursday. I know there's a lot of fans listening to this. You better head out and get your burger. The last time this happened, more than 160,000 people got free burgers. That number has got a triple at least, I think. Well, there are fewer George Webbses now. So, you know, I don't, we'll, we'll see. Look, I am no, um, I, I'm trying to focus on the baseball and not the food supply. Um, but I think it is going to be a, a big deal. And it's a very cool thing. Um, like I said, I think this is going to be one of, when, when this season gets looked back upon, that's going to be a big part of what stands out to people, I think. So get in the van, have your mom take you and your, you know, your fellow uh, baseball team yeah. teammates to George Webb's and get a free burger. I think another thing that might stand out from this series is Christian Yelich. And Christian Yelich grew up about an hour from Dodger Stadium. You mentioned that he, he had some pretty cool things to say about um, growing up um, around here at Thousand Oaks, and he's back home. So do you think that this faux home field advantage for him is going to spark him back into the Christian Yelich we saw all season? Well, that is the Brewers' hope. He, as we talk, we're, you know, he's one for eight in the through the first two games, and it's been a pretty quiet. I mean, in the division series, he was two for eight, but there were a ton of walks, and his OPS was up over a thousand where it always is. And he hit a big homer against the Rockies in Game One of the division series. Um, so he's been quieter. The Dodgers have done a really good job neutralizing him so far. That's a big part of their game plan. Um, and you're right, he gets to sleep in his own bed. He lives over in Malibu now, which is what you do when you make it to the big leagues. You buy a house in Malibu on the ocean. And uh, so a couple of nights in his own bed, and maybe he will come in rejuvenated. But talking to him about it, you know, this whole season has been like a kind of a crazy dream. And it's been really fun to watch him because he's such a humble guy who appreciates all the good things that are happening to him and he at t many times throughout the season on his own unprompted has, has brought up the terrible tragedy with Jose Fernandez his very good friend in Miami who you know baseball lost way too early and and that experience has changed the way Christian Yelich looks at his own career um, and I think he is very appreciative of all of these great things that are happening to him this season and he said coming into the playoffs he sort of you look at the brackets and you think you know, if we go and they go, you could, he said you could almost see it coming. And 10-year-old him would not have believed that he would be in this spot, National League Championship Series, playing for a, a chance to go to the World Series in the ballpark where he used to, you know, sit in the upper deck in the powder blue seats at Dodger Stadium as a kid. And, and again, I love when you get this far with players and you get to talk to them about kind of their memories. Sometimes we see them as just these, like, athlete superstars on the field and they're, like, distant from us. But, you know, Yelich is, he, he said this a couple times this week and talking about it, one of his clearest memories is playing in a tournament game somewhere, you know, piling in the, the van, the family van, like I did to George Webb. He would come to Dodger Stadium and change in the parking lot into street clothes and then come in and see the Dodgers take batting practice to play a game. And that the memory was like so distinct in his head. And I, I just found that really cool. It's like a reminder that these guys were, it's like, what is the stupid magazine? They're just like us. <laughs> 
Us Magazine. People, Us, yeah, US whatever. Weekly. What? Which one is it? I don't know. You know better than I. Don't don't pretend you don't know. Uh, they, you know, they were kids playing baseball just like us. And now, you know, coming to Dodger Stadium as a fan, Ryan Braun, I was talking to his dad. Uh, they used to go to the baseball card shop. Ryan and his brother and his dad were big baseball card people. They'd go to the baseball shop in Granada Hills, also just up the road from here. And um, that, that shop had some season tickets that they got to use sometimes. And they'd sit on the third base side a few sections over from where we're sitting right now as a kid it's where these guys fell in love with baseball these la area kids so it's um pretty cool to you know be for christian yelich and them to to be back here um it's a, it's an it's part of the experience that they are not letting escape them if that makes any sense definitely and okay so i want to stick with with yelich for a second and the idea of the underdog right because everyone loves a good underdog and everyone picks one for no matter what's what sporting event you, you that's happening especially in the playoffs so i feel like obviously the brewers have everyone's whispering about the underdogs and and do you feel like christian yelich kind of represents that coming from Miami, but now completely making his name and and showing the whole world that he's not just another guy who was on Miami's team and left left to rot. So he's he's kind of representing the underdog team and and himself and hoping to put Milwaukee on the map. Well, maybe that's true, but if that's true, he's also representative of the idea that like these guys are pretty good actually. And yeah. you know, I, I agree with you that coming into this series, when you read sort of the prognosticators, it was you know most of them picked the Dodgers. And look, they're the defending World Series representative from the National League, so it's and a lot of that team is back intact. So I don't, I mean, it was a perfectly fine pick, but the Brewers led the National League in victories, and that's why the series started at Miller Park. So it's um. It's a very solid team, and I think Yelich maybe exemplifies that a little bit. If he was underrated coming into the season, maybe because the power numbers weren't what they were this year, they thought going to Miller Park, a very, very good place to slug for left-handed hitters. We saw it with Travis Shaw the year before, coming from Boston where it's tough for lefties, comes to Miller Park and crushes it. Yelich comes from a really, really difficult place to hit in Miami, comes to Miller Park, and all of a sudden the power numbers uh, increase. So it's, um, yeah, maybe that's what they need to do is keep picking up lefty hitters with who are good baseball players, maybe don't hit for a ton of power, and just plug them in somewhere at Miller Park. Okay, let's switch to the bullpen. Uh, Craig Council sipping the haterade right now, and I it's Monday, so game three. So, you know, by the time this comes out, uh, things will have happened that we didn't know were going to happen. But you are expecting Council to go with uh, another bullpen-type game, uh, filling the innings based on score, based on what else? Well, look, I think the best way to put it is they got here by being very aggressive in their use of the bullpen. And the key is having uh five or six really really good arms to choose from so their starters have been very good so far in the postseason and their starters were very good in september but part of the reason is the way that they've deployed the bullpen so wade miley for example in game two at miller park just was awesome twice through the lineup and and there was a lot of you know look there's still a great debate should they have stuck with wade miley but i think part of the reason he was so good is when Justin Turner came up that third time, they went to somebody else. You're trying to give these hitters different looks. And Craig Council did that throughout the regular season. It's why they're here. And what I equate it to is playing blackjack. If you draw, you know, if you're showing 16 and the dealer has a face card, you hit. 
and you don't hit and then it doesn't work out and then next time you stay you keep hitting the math it's it's math i'm not very good at math yeah so don't go play blackjack hit keep stick with your strategy don't change midstream um now look there are points where you have to change. There are points where you do have, there are exceptions in baseball. These are human beings. But I think if we're looking at this series in the big picture, they are going to stick with the strategy of being aggressive in their use of the pen and, and go for it. And if there is a game available to win, they're going to go and try and win it. They're not going to take chances with it. And so, again, looking back, Josh Hader, game one. They pitched him three innings in game one, and that many was unavailable in two. And that was also up for debate, and perfectly, we can perfectly debate it. Um, Hader remains this very fascinating guy, so electric, so good. And part of the reason he's so electric and so good is they they found the, the what they feel is the best way to use him, which is multiple innings and then multiple days of rest. And it hurts in the postseason when you don't have him for a game like you didn't have him for a game two. But they have just found through experience over a year and a half that that is the way to get the best performance out of him. And, again, I think if you start making changes to that, in the postseason, it starts to reek of desperation. It starts to put you in a bad place where you change what got you here. So I think to some extent with, you know, again, there's exceptions because these are humans, but to some, you, you have to kind of stick with what got you here. Okay. Two more things. Number one, by the end of this, by game five, are you going back to Milwaukee? Yeah, I think so. I have a hard time thinking either of these teams is going to win three in a row. I think that losing the Brewers had a prime opportunity to go up 2-0, um, up 3 nothing in the seventh inning of game two with their bullpen. Even without Josh Hader, they, they had the guys. They you know Corbin Burns, the, the rookie, has been so good. He couldn't get that first out of the seventh inning, and it set them on this path toward a, a really critical loss. So uh, that, you know, I, that could be the game. If they don't advance to the World Series, that's going to be the game. I have a feeling that they look back on as, man, a, a victory was right there nine outs away, and they weren't able to close it out. Um, but I, I just have a hard time thinking that somebody is going to win three in a row either way. Okay. All right. Well, we'll find that out later. Now, last question is you've been covering the Brewers for MLB.com since 2001. <laughs> what were you doing in 2001, Danny? I was um, in middle school, elementary school, one of those schools. But that's not the point. The point is, is that you've been covering baseball for a long time. You're extremely well-respected, not just by me. Obviously, I love your work, but you are seriously one of the more beloved people I've ever seen uh, covering this game because you do it so well. What's been one of your favorite postseason memories that you've covered? Oh, man. Well, okay, Brewers-centric first because it's so easy. It is game five of the 11 division series when Niger Morgan, who was so fun to cover because you never knew what he was going to get, hated by the other teams. But when you knew him, such a good guy, uh, such a big heart and uh, passion for the game, I think. Even if you hated him, you had to agree he had that. Hits a little ground ball up the middle. The Brewers win their first postseason series since 82. The place, it was at Miller Park. It went absolutely crazy. The owner, Mark Atanasio, jumps over the railing onto the field. It was, and then Niger Morgan, after the game, he was in a SWAT. He called, he called that offense the SWAT team. So he had a Brewers SWAT team helmet made, and he's running around the, the clubhouse with a SWAT team helmet. That's easily my Brewers memory. 
if I'm thinking about just my general baseball memory, I uh, was lucky enough to do some postseasons and get some division series and NLCS experience. In the NLCS, it would be the Hunter Pence hit that hit his bat three times. You remember that one? And it kind of like hooked into the outfield, big hit for the Giants. But you never forget your first. <laughs> first World Series was in Boston. Um, Boston against the Cardinals. Your Cardinals in 2013. We don't need to talk about this. Was that 13 or 14? 13. 13. And um, game six at Fenway Park, I was in the auxiliary press box. You can't get everybody in the press box for these games, so they build an auxiliary here at Dodger Stadium. It's awesome. It's it's one level up from the press box. I'm very excited to be sitting in that. Oh, it's in the shade. It's gorgeous. It's a beautiful view. In Boston, it's out by beyond Pesky's Pole in right field. And it's also very cool because I was sitting at the end of a row. They build it where they take out a row of seats and build a desk. And this is maybe way too much info, but just to paint the picture, they build a desk and you're sitting there writing and you're across the aisle from fans. I mean, it's like having a ticket to the game. It's way better, a thousand times better than being in the press box. Even in the press box, you're behind home plate and can see it a little bit better. So I'm across the aisle from Red Sox fans who at that point, they were, they'd been there a little bit now, but we're definitely not sick of it. And, um... The band, what, who, which band plays at Red Sox? Is it Dropkick Murphys? It is Dropkick Murphys. So Dropkick Murphys comes out before the game and plays like a couple songs on the field. And seriously, Fenway Park, I thought it was going to fall down. And the pitch had not been thrown in the game yet. And it was like the Red Sox are winning the World Series tonight. And, uh, and they did. And I was helping out on the Cardinals side, so I was in the Sour Clubhouse afterwards. But um, that stands out to me just because it was the first time I had ever seen a team in person you know, I'd watched a zillion World Series on television as a kid. You grew up. How old were you? In, oh, well, 2013. Not that long ago. That was a joke. Oh, I see. I that was see. a bad question. Yeah. So it was, but it was really cool to see it and in, in person. And um, that was a, a definitely a strong memory. You know, you, you, you work in it and it's, it's work. It's a, it's a lot of work and you try to do a really good job and bring people into the stadium, make them feel like they are experiencing it with you. But I always feel like when you're working these games, you have to like sit back at some point. Like when we sit here and say, Mr. Don Newcomb is right here, you know, in his fedora, a legend of major league baseball. You got to soak in some of this stuff too. And like, you know, I'm a fan of the game, just like people listening to us right now. And um, it's really cool to be part of kind of the big events like this. All right, Adam McAlvey, you filled a podcast with stories, knowledge, facts, no fiction. No. No. Uh, Can we break the news that these are starting again? Podcasts are coming back, yes. So podcasts are coming back once a week? Probably not once a week. Maybe once every two weeks we'll get together and we'll talk, talk some shop. If you could schedule it to be a little less intrusive, you often try to schedule these when I'm like in the middle of trying to do life. So if you could work around my schedule a little bit better, I would appreciate that. All right. Schedule around Adam McAlvey's very busy and popular life. Check. Noted. I will work on that. All right. If you're listening to this, game three has probably already happened. So we didn't predict anything, but it's going to be a really good three games here in L.A. Dodger Stadium. It's going to be intense. The series could head back to Milwaukee uh, for six and seven. We don't know yet. But um, Adam McAlvey, I appreciate your time as always. Thank you, Danny. It's always fun talking to you. All right, for MLB.com Extras, I'm Danny Wexelman with Adam McAlvey. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 